All right, good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is one of too many, as usual. I'm your host, the Ebenezer. We are back for episode 20, and this time I have with me an um, important guest, an important guest, a really important guest, and uh, a friend as well. He is a renowned composer, and popular among his compositions, or the one that really stands out to me is an oratorio called Stabat Mater, um, which was, I think, performed uh, a year or two ago at the Holy Spirit Cathedral. He, he constantly releases these uh, masterpieces for, for, for us to witness, and uh, he's always doing it low-key, but he is a really... He's actually renowned. He's not low-key, he's renowned. People know him. So when I mention him, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So he's a music student at a uh, final year, if I'm not mistaken. Music student yeah, at know, yeah. yes, at uh, the Wisconsin University, not the actual one, no one at Hachu. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he organizes. He's part of guys who organize a certain program called Afro Classicals Night. You may or may not have heard of this program, but it's a very important program to the promotion and the uh, publicity of African classical music and classical music as well in a part of the world where classical music is not really promoted or publicized well enough. He's also a keyboardist, a violinist. He said he's retired, but he's still a violinist. <laughs> and uh, yes, so without much ado, let me just welcome Kweku Bwache from Pong. Kweku, welcome to One Looks Too Many. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's an honor. It's a pleasure that I'm here. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for accepting this. Uh, I'm sure my, my listeners who are very familiar with your work will be thrilled. I'll put, I'll put some... <laughs> Some, uh, I'll put a few links to some of your compositions down below so that um, people who don't know also sure. check you out. It's, it's great sure. stuff you do. So, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. So, listeners, as you are aware, uh, I told you, I promised you in the last episode that we would do a part two of what I was talking about. Since as I was even speaking, I realized that I was giving too many philosophical arguments so to see and i needed a second opinion and i brought professional in my opinion a very professional opinion and hey. yes 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 don't be don't be humble about yourself i can't say don't be modest yes <laughs> like own it like yeah so hmm. in the last episode i raised three I came to three conclusions about uh, a topic I called classical music, nomenclature, and perception. The first conclusion I came to yeah. was, yeah, was the biological factor where the brain responds to music in different ways in everybody, but then 
there is this uniform or universal response to music or certain rhythmic patterns. That's that is why people that's why dance is a language and everything because like the movement of the body in particular rhythmic fashions are similar across board. So far as every brain, yeah. rhythmic patterns will be similar in that sense. The second conclusion I came to was the issue of complexity. And um, I, I divided music in general into three uh, general genres, right? Popular music, uh, folk music, and classical music. And how, yeah. yes, and how the, I defined this, the, the complexity in, in these genres through literacy and appeal and how your level of, say, literacy, and this is where the elitism bit will come in, but not yet. Yes, the, how um, your level of literacy, right, would influence the kind of music you're attracted to or the, the genre that you're particularly interested in. Because as it were, folk music, yeah. for example, is more passed down orally, uh, as in down the, I mean, generationally, right, through communities yeah. and societies. And it doesn't really require you to have a certain mastery over uh, reading music or music rudiments, right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, in, in contrast with Western classical music, where you, to be challenged, you're able to play that back, you need to know, you need to know what you're doing on the keyboard or on your instrument. It's, it's true. You are right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I, I came to another quote, the, the last one, right? That, uh, you, you, all the same. I use the last conclusion to kind of like juxtapose the first two I, 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 I came to that, uh, in as much as there are all these factions or all these reasons why the genres of music are independent of each other, there is still a common factor among everything mm-hmm. that is like the emotion that uh, music brings out, right? Whether it's folk yeah. music or popular music or classical music. Is the emotion behind it. The emotions behind them are not different. The uh, happiness or joy you feel when you listen to rock or R&B or pop or classical music, anyone that makes yeah. you feel that level of happiness is not going to be particularly different from um, each other, right? Yeah. So these are the three uh, conclusions I came to. And I remember you saying that I was I was talking about a, the argument I was raising where whole semester courses in the in the yeah. university. Yeah. So so would you would you like to add add something to, to this or like you still you still think that I should go to a classroom or I should we should we should <laughs> look at a whole semester course. Oh okay. So you see for, for every course, you know, you can actually summarize that, that's why there are master classes, there are crash courses and things, so that you didn't have to stay in the classroom for a whole year or for a whole semester. Yes. But one thing, especially about classism, that you said that we have in classical music, in the case whereby it's a series, classical music is for the rich, and yeah. the, the, uh, uh, even those who play the music as serious people and all that. Um, it looks as if that, that, that is the case. But let us go back in time when classical music started in Europe. By then, they didn't even know that their music was classical. 
Yeah. I think yes. I think the was... nomenclature of classical music, when when you really look at it, it's like when I researched, for example, I saw that the reason why there's that blanket name of classical music is that the time period that's like the naming, like they wanted to call that part of music or what they wanted to call it. They were referencing, you know, like they were the people themselves naming it were actually elitists. Like they were these like upper class men, you know, like they exactly. were uh-huh. so that's what influenced the naming of all the you know, medieval music, baroque music, they just call everything classical music, kind of like I saw something like that yes. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you you know, um classism in the in human society is automatic. Yeah. You will see people trying to say that, oh, let us not discriminate. Let us not um um let's not look down on anyone, but it is not possible. In our families, there's classism. We have those that we look down on. We have those that we look up to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, since the, if you look at the history of Western classical music, for example, and um, I'm, I'm making reference to Western classical music because they have had, you know, a, a musical history that goes back to as yeah. early as the 400 AD. And the most influence, yeah. Yeah, and the most, yeah. And then if you go back to the medieval era, okay, there used to be two kinds of people. We had the high class and the low class. Yeah. That's the noble and the serfs. Okay. So the noble was made up of people like the kings, uh, the clergy, you know, and all that. Most of them had property and all that. And who are they going to be their property to? That's the serfs. Those who are kind of, or those who are actually in the low class. Okay. Yeah. They will get them to, you know, work on their farms and through that uh, as payment, they give them a place to stay and all that. Okay. So over there, you see classism over there. All right. Yeah. Now, as time went on, getting to the Renaissance uh, uh, and almost before the Baroque, most people started looking for their own work. There were, uh, there were jobs like blacksmiths and, there were, you know, people began looking for different, different um uh, professions that didn't have yeah. to do with farming or with hunting, as compared yeah. to that of the medieval era. I think so I think now, that was the that was the whole point of the Renaissance. It was like a, it's exactly. a, an age of enlightenment where science was beginning exactly. to, you know, yeah, yes. So so around that time, people began to, you know, it was like there was another class of people coming that were in between. Yeah, I'll begin yeah. to yes, mm. yeah, another class of people that were in between. Now, the fact that the rich or the noble people had enough money to cater for musicians, does, does that mean that those who are in the middle class or the low class shouldn't enjoy music? No, so indeed. Even, yeah. Exactly. So even before the, uh, that, or even before the coming of Baroque, and at the early part of the Renaissance, towards the medieval period, there were just two types of music, sacred music and a secular. So the exactly. sacred music was done in church, automatically done in church. And then the secular, uh, 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 they, we had what we call the madrigals and then so on and so forth. Yeah. So we had people who were actually going around like, you know, the concert party of our parents, this, they just, mm. they, they need to preach and all that. Okay. Mm. Now, when came to the Baroque period, people had the chances of listening to a whole work, even in a bar, 
you go to a tavern and then you find an orchestra there. Like, you know, the orchestra during that time was very, very small. So yeah. you need a big pole. Okay. But of course, the kings and the whole men, they had big poles. So they were able to pay musicians enough, good musicians. Like Handel, he was being paid by the king to make music for his court. I think I think when you really look at this, Handel had he had it he had it very easy. Like I don't want to say, but like compared to other people, like even let's say even Vivaldi or even Bach uh, or even Mozart, like Handel was just working with yeah, King and like, yes, even but I don't know why, but Bach stayed in church. Yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised that his music has not been like being forgotten. It's it's, it's because and, you see what back I think in my opinion I think what back was able to do like with his music I don't think he has been reproduced like anywhere. I think maybe Mendelssohn wanted to do something like that. I know that you don't like Mendelssohn. Jesse has mentioned it, but um even Mendelssohn actually I, I don't like Mendelssohn's choral no actually I don't like Mendelssohn's Elijah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut to that shortly. I'll, you have to explain because that that Elijah, yeah, I'm coming. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, even Mendelssohn, right? He, with his mm-hmm. Saint Paulus and all of that, right? This is because of the Saint Paulus. I keep emphasizing that Mendelssohn was like a revival of the Baroque. Like not even Elijah. Elijah was quite good, but I'll come to that shortly. And he tried to imitate or bring back the works, like the style of Bach. But I think what Bach was able to do with his writing especially in uh, counterpoint and field. Like, nobody uh-huh. has been able to do something like that. Like, I just I just think that's why his music hasn't died out. Like, it will continue to uh-huh. be immortal. Uh-huh. You know, Handel, Handel's luck came from the fact that he was ready to move. You know, he, first of all, he wasn't comfortable staying in Germany. That's what yeah. pushed him to go to Italy. Unfortunately, yeah. when he went to Italy, too, the people wanted something new. They were tired of opera. Like, there were so many operas. So his opera company failed. So yeah. It was at that time that he decided to move to England. And, you know, England, the, the, the only, the only, I don't want to use the word good. Um, I'm looking for a, a I think at that point, it was good. The only, yeah. Yeah, the only good composer had been Henry Purcell, and he had died yeah. about 50 years ago. And Handel came, and then he, you know, came to revive it. So all of a sudden, the king just took him up. So that was where his luck came from. But you know, yeah. he when when he was writing all these, uh, was it? He was this Cersei? He wrote Cersei. He wrote yeah. uh, Julius like Caesar, mm-hmm. right? And. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alexander the Great or something like that. These these were uh, uh, Alexander's feast. Alexander's feast, yes, and yeah. he, uh, they were they were quite like circular, right? They were oh, quite yes. circular, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the funny thing is that the Alexander and then um, uh, the Julius Caesar. Okay, he composed them in Italian. Yeah. Ah. Oh, okay. And they, they still enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. The, okay. The English okay. still enjoyed it, although he has composed it in Italian. The English still enjoyed it. <laughs> it was like, and you see, the style of Sandal is so recognizable that when you when you hear, you just know that it's Sandal. 
And yeah. it doesn't make you love it any less because, like, even though maybe mm-hmm. sometimes say, "Oh, I know what to expect at like when I'm playing or when I'm part of a handle piece or something like that." There are sometimes like he just surprises you. I remember this time, um, yeah, this piece, uh, it's in the Messiah. It's for it's for days. Da, 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 uh, all day that were walking darkness oh, or something uh, like. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was, I was surprised by like how he was using the chromatic scale and everything. But like, I was like, mm, I would, I would expect handles to be more of like block chords, like a lot of the places and like running about and all of that. But listening to even playing, <laughs> yeah, playing all that that's an interesting. Song. Thing. Mm. Mm. Oh, you can't talk. You can't talk. That's an interesting thing about handle. That's an interesting thing about handle. He he and Buck were out of their time. <laughs> because like far far ahead. Yes. But but during the Baroque time, one of the one of the characteristics, uh, when I did music history, one of the characteristics of Baroque time is complex melody. Yeah. Chords in harmony. Okay. But for Bach and Handel, they have a way of you know moving. Uh, handles handles melodies will register in your mind. Bass melodies will register in your mind. You understand that? Yeah. So so it 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 it's actually awesome. I always say that they were out of their time. <laughs> really, 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 really ahead that one. Yeah. I think it's their music that even influenced uh, um, the the classical period. Or the yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the, after the Baroque, there was a short period called the Rococo period, whereby the composers decided to ascribe to uh, simplicity. Unfortunately, they oversimplified it. So an example of such person was uh, Bach's son, C.P.E. Bach. Ah, okay. Yes. That explains a few things then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he oversimplified music from that era. And that gave rise to the classical period. They're like, okay, let us keep the beauty and a bit of the complexity of the Baroque period, but let us keep our melodic lines simple. I think I think when you when you want to look at the classical period, I think like it it's deserving that all, all of classical music is kind of called classical music because like um because the classical era, when you look at the classical era, right? What modes okay. that and hiding them to able to do. I, I don't I think it's like it's the point of music, right? They made the music so accessible and they they made it so they made it so friendly. Like listen to um, Mozart's piano uh, concerto in C, right? The mm-hmm. when, you, when you listen to it, you feel so comfortable, you feel so like mm, I can I can I can feel it. it doesn't sound so heavy, it doesn't sound so dense like a toccata or something like that. Like <laughs> You get it, like yeah. it sounds like something that I can sit and listen to all day. Easy music, like, and I think that it was, that was the breaking point of 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 you know, like maybe to a point aligning or bridging the gap between the class sections and like music. I don't know, but that that's just mm. my yeah. Because so, we are so, able to. So I think, uh, so yeah, I think, yeah. I think that, that that was when classism was actually at its peak. So yeah. it's not every kind of music that you as a, uh, uh, you as uh, you are in the low class will get to hear. So most most of the serious music was done in the king's courts. Mm. Yeah. So later on, yeah, the composers like 
uh, Mozart realized that, nah, Charlie, if I continue to stick to the king, I might not get money. That is why he decided to take opera seriously and started doing his music in theaters. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So that not only the high class would get access, but unfortunately, even in the concert hall, there was classism in there. That's where the VIPs were exactly have to sit and exactly. <laughs> uh -huh. So, I but so you wouldn't you wouldn't really blame them because, like, uh, in, in that time, as he said, classism was at, at its peak, and we were yes, and it was and it's a human thing. Yeah. Today yeah. there is classism. I'm going for a concert today, and there are VVIP tickets. They are VIP. VIP. And they are regular. Yes. VVIP, oh. VIP, and regular. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, when um, George Wesley came to Ghana um, yeah. for musical, yeah. I had opportunity to attend. And one of the ushers saw me, you know, I was in Batakari. I always liked my Batakari. Yes, your iconic. It was like, yeah, you have. So she was like, eh, please, are you a VIP? I looked at her face. I was like, why? I was like, oh, so that you have a special seat. Then I said, that's been a Methodist organist count. And she laughed. <laughs> uh, that, that, that concert was, was actually something else. That, that musical concert was actually yes. something else. When you, when you look yeah. at like the, the kind of things we, the kind of music we pay attention to, and I don't usually like to talk about this because like, people will be like, oh, Maybe you know they like God or like oh they're all playing music, that kind of things. But like when you really look at it, the kind of choral music we are very accustomed to here is sacred choral music, and there's a world outside sacred choral music. Like yes. look at Eric Whitke. Uh, like actually, there are so yeah, many I was people coming to that. Mm, I was actually coming to that. Mm. The, the, the fact the fact that uh, uh, I was going to draw a disparity between art music in. Ghana, especially, let me say Ghana, because I don't know what's happening in other African countries, and then that of the West. I mm. believe that Ghana today, okay, yeah, we, our kind of music, we are a thousand years back, or we are, we are, we are in the medieval era of the Europeans. Okay, this is interesting. Yeah, the music is just too sacred and secular. Yeah, actually. Actually, yeah. We have just few composers that are trying to do something that is uh, in between, something that's not as secular as that time, something that, uh, and uh, something that will be satirical. And even in Ghana, we don't have satirical music that much. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's the reason why George Wednesday Sylvia actually did um, uh, a musical that does not really deal with the subject of religion, and I was happy about that. I, I, to me, I feel that work should be an award-winning work. Actually, actually, Ghana, yeah. the choral music is chow, like it's too much, and it makes people feel like they they they've had it all, you know, like they that is all that they can be when it comes to yes. writing six eight or writing or listening mm. to six eight of high life or something like. But there are mm -hmm. limits to be stretched. Like there is, there are things to be done. You get it so yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, so <laughs> um, when we had when I had my concert Tabat Malata, yeah, there was an offering period whereby the people got a chance to dance and all that. But I 
Sincerely, I hate concerts that end. But I, I, um, wait, I'm coming in. Sorry, sorry. Let me let me before before that. Can you please give uh for the listeners like a brief overview of what your inspiration for Starbucks Matter was and the writing process and like the idea behind Starbucks Matter. Okay, so uh, first, the Starbucks Matter, the full name is actually Starbucks Matter Dolorosa. Well, in naming it, I just like other composers, I just moved the Dolorosa there and just named the Starbucks Matter. Okay, yeah. so uh, Starbucks Matter uh, literally means, or not literally, actually, the, the, the context behind it is the, the, the mother or the standing mother crying, something like that, or weeping, okay, or the sorrowful mother. Yeah. So, um, it's actually based on a poem. Um, I think the, the poem is from either the 14th century or 13th century. I'm, I'll check that um, uh, and then later give the information. Yeah. And it, it, it's a poem that the people used to, or it has been in existence in the Catholic Church for a very, very long time. I've not seen it being recited in the Catholic Church today, but uh, outside there, you hear some of the traditional Catholic churches. Um, you know, reciting it or chanting it. Okay, it has been written for chant by old composers and all that. Until mm-hmm. uh, composers like Vivaldi, uh, Rossini, Haydn, they decided to set it to music. So my idea too was also to set it to music, but instead of uh, setting it to its Latin text, yeah. I decided to set it to English. Yes. Uh, somebody was asking me, do I speak Latin? How was I able to translate it? So, uh, of course, though, I had the help of Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, <laughs> and the English text is in the Methodist now. Oh, okay. okay. Ah, yes. the, in the English appendix text. there somewhere, the back, the back there. Yes, you even see Starbucks matter written the body. Mm, I think I've come across at the back there somewhere. Yes. Okay. And then, okay. Yes, uh, and, it, and it's a hymn. It's a, there's, there's, it's a hymn. Mm. So you see the 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 tune given to it is matter, but the text is there. So I combined it with what I saw online, the English text, and then I use it. Uh, actually, I wanted to first of all do something. Anytime a composer in Ghana, uh, okay, most comp- composers I've heard of who try to do an oratorio, they always want to concentrate on. The story of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. And, and and most of the time they want to concentrate on his birth. I wanted to do something different. So I did concentrate on okay, yeah, yeah, you're breaking up a bit too. Oh, sorry about that. How is it now? Yeah, you 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 were saying that you, uh, most composers uh concentrate on Jesus and then you wanted to do something yes. different here from that bit. Yeah, I wanted to concentrate on Mary. Yeah. Okay. okay. So um that actually informed me composing it. And I I sincerely I thought it's not going to do well because um <laughs> not everyone is a Catholic. It's only Catholics, or it looks like most of the time it's Catholics that appreciate the story of Mary. Well, it, it doesn't to have that, to be so, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and actually, people people said that they understood the suffering of Mary through the music. And yeah. I've had people give me a review. I'm uh, one. Somebody was like, she had to listen to it, and 
after listening. There was somebody who was lonely listening to it and then they became fine. I mean, I've got a lot of good reviews like that. Wow, and wow, wow. Really yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Mm. That's, that, that's great. So I would, um, I watched, I think I watched it on, I couldn't witness it, uh, in person, but I watched it on, um, Facebook. Mm-hmm. And at that time I was, uh, I was still new to, I mean, classical music. Let me put it that way. I, I wasn't new to choral music. I was, I was, I had been, sing, had been singing in my church, uh, at my church for a while, for like a number of years. But I think like, you know, listening to, to oratorios, listening to those things, like I was new to it. So when I, when I heard it, I was like, I did not know someone from Ghana could, could do something like this. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, how, did, how long did it take you to write it? Don't shout if I say it. I will shout. <laughs> if it is less than <laughs> Messiah, I will shout. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so let me put it this way. Uh, so that did, you did you break Handel's record? Did you break Handel's record? You are coming. In order not for you to shout, I will rather break it down. Okay, so it took me a month to compose it. But the music mm-hmm. does the, the voice with the piano. It took me two weeks. The orchestration, when I added orchestration all together, that makes it one month. Now, you're actually breaking Handel's record because at that time, he didn't have, like, okay, no, I can't think of this guy because that time he, he didn't have the softwares and things like that. So I guess, I guess, yeah, you're still behind him a little, but like, you've really done, you've I'm really done something. Him, uh, a little, yeah, not far. He, he wrote 53 pieces, okay, or 53 movements. Mine is just 16. Originally 15, but after the performance, I added a chorus to it. So it's now 16 movements. Yeah. So, man. <laughs> it, 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 really, it really inspired me. Like, I was like, I did not know. Because you, I was so used to the same kind of music, like High Life, Agbaja, yeah. uh, a bit somebody who, you know, like, Ama will come and surprise us with some what shall I do? Uh, you come let us sing those kind of those kind of things, and you'll be like, hey, Charlie, some mm-hmm. giddy giddy classicals are coming, and then you uh, it's just back to the same old, same old. But seeing yeah. this, like, and you know what um um GME did at uh, with the what's what's the concert even for? Uh, his musical concert. Kalabashi. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah, and that was what's called. Kalabashi. I think the, the play had a different name, it had some name like that. Yeah, yeah, the, the 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 name of the play. Oh, how about <laughs> anyway? Like when what he did with his play was, uh, I, I think it was it was very it was very like a cost changing. Let me put it that way. You know, he has set he has set a, a, a trend, and I feel like I, I know this composer. I don't know if you've heard of him, Edujin Fige, bro. Like and a few others. Yes, yes. Like they they are no, they are really no, very no, good. After- yeah, after the after after the concert, I actually spoke to uh, Edu JF. I told him I'm waiting for him. His view will be good with this. yeah, cause like his folk is his command. Yes, his command over the tree language, especially how yeah. he's able to go into folk issues, and he's good. I, I can see that he's trending the the way of trying to compose for uh, the satiric satiric music and all that. He will be very good at that. Yeah, yeah so... I'm waiting for his musical. Uh, we are we are all waiting. We are all waiting. So because I've I've seen some of his pieces, I'm like that's that's the, that's the future of musicals right there. And so we'll yeah. see. The 
um before we before we progress i i think i think it's um it's time we talk about acn now we are digressing a little but uh it's all part yeah. of the topic i guess and um since you are i couldn't get jesse on but uh i i am presuming you are like part of the founding members right like you're part of the startups of it if i if i remember correctly uh, Actually, I'm not part of the founding members. Uh, the, the founding members were Jesse and then Presley. I don't know. I'm sure some of my audience might have heard of Presley before. He's also a pianist. Yes, yeah. uh, he was a founder until he got busy. Now he's in the UK. So, I yeah. okay. okay. Yes. So after after him, I became the music director. When he left, I became the music director. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I remember so my first experience. Five, yes. My yeah, first experience of a, mm-hmm. oh okay. My first experience of a ACN, I think I didn't meet Presley. I met you. Uh, okay. It was yeah, it was at the African Regions Hotel, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that day Vincent Agbeko was performing. So he told all of us he okay. was a yeah he was a director at uh, Park Square. So he put all yeah. of us. Oh, well, like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So let, let's go and see what yeah. Vincent. He performed an original and then he performed a backed prelude in D, if I remember correctly. And uh, it was yeah. it was good. Nobody liked the sound of that upright piano, but we took it like that. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> so it's it's really good that now the venue has changed to um, the. Uh, uh, the don't, don't remind me. <laughs> 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 well, it's the Ghana Club. Okay, so please just, just, just tell, just tell the audience, hey, listeners, something small about this game. Yes, and and what okay, we do so, at this So after class fun night is an event set up to provide a platform to basically people who do not have a concert stage to show off their talent. Okay, um, ACN has been a place whereby people uh, who have not been heard of before, or people who like, you know, generally others, you know, that they have such talent. Okay, there's a place whereby they come to show. Yeah, Africa's Canada is giving a people, so people a platform so that they can showcase themselves. Um, there are a lot of people who have the talent. Unfortunately, they don't have a place. Or they, they don't have an audience to present to. They don't even have videos of themselves. Africa's Canada gives them that opportunity. So that in case you are trying to apply for some grants or are trying to apply for some school or are trying to you know apply for something just to show people that oh, this is what you do you have something to show them be it pictures be it videos and all that and then at the same time too we are trying to promote classical music to our audience now if i say classical music i mean classical music in a general sense something that is not pop something that is not folk yeah yes uh-huh. um, i mean i think also, i think you do You've done a few folk over there, or you haven't done any any folk music? Yeah, we we have, but uh, most of the time they are they are like arranged. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So for example, something like um, uh, Senua was done. Senua didn't. Senua didn't. Yeah. But it was an arrangement by um say Sufi. Yes. And yeah, somebody might also say that, but we've done. The good thing is that Bonnie Kente is actually not folk music. Uh, it's I, I say it's not folk music because um, first of all, it has been written down. Okay. Well, like so it's, from when it was actually composed back then, it was written down. 
I think it was yes, under the sing, the sing at uh, like the kente weaving. That's how we started. They used to sing it at the uh, when they are weaving kente, and then it's like a, a thing the people of Bone Rangers know. No, so but, actually, if Ramu composed it, he, so this oh, okay. was his experience. Yes, uh, I think in August it was performed by Alberta, and she yeah. as after each after each uh, verse, there's a storyline that she, she says. Actually, it's talking about if Ramu going to Bonwe and then when he got there he saw how they were using Kente and then the sound of the, the crow he crow he he crow he yeah. so based on that he wrote his music. Kalifaramu is a genius so actually you know the the, the the album I shared the album I shared with you the African pianism it was yes. like I just I it's it, so it popped up on my Twitter TL that's the I, I don't know how to mention her surname, but her first name is Rebecca, and she she's yeah. a UK-based pianist, and she does this kind of like it's sort of like ACN, but it's in London, and it's a mm-hmm. it's supposed to be promoting African music over there. Like mm-hmm. she, she performed in the album, she performed about four pieces uh, from I think Efremamu and Inketia, um, JF is that his name? JF Inketia or some? I think that's his name. And JHK and Kitia. JHK and yes. And it's like when I was listening to it, I could just hear, I could hear the Ghanaian authenticity in it. I could hear of like how it sounded professional. It sounded like it sounded like modern music, right? It sounded like something that yeah. a real learned person took his time to mm-hmm. sit down and write. And I just yeah. I don't know I don't know who composes like that nowadays, but I don't I, I rarely see instrumental music like that. I mean, apart from you, your yes, just shout out Oh my yeah, Ghana, yeah. Oh my Ghana. That's that's yeah. that's piece. that piece. I felt you already, but it's, it was touching. It was touching. The oh, a flugel horn you. or uh, that issue. Uh, the flugel horn, the, right? The or French horn. The French horn. French yeah. horn. Oh, let me see what people call French horn, but it's actually horn in F. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. okay. Honey, yeah. Yeah, they are saying they are saying that we should stop saying French one because it has nothing to do with the French. <laughs> I mean, well, then how did that name come, come about? It's it, 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 its origin. I think its origin is from, if I'm not wrong, I think Germany. I'm not too sure. Yeah, but it's not. It has nothing to do with the French. The French even didn't know about it until the the, the, the late 19th century. Uh, I see. I see. Yeah. The on a previous episode, we we raised a few uh, concerns about certain aspects of twentieth century music, right? And twentieth century yeah. music is not something that I'm too familiar with because, like, uh, I mean, as I've probably established, I'm not very old. Like, I didn't grow up. I mean, I'm not too old, so I don't have a lot of experience in, in, in classical music. So I've not had the chance to explore the 20th century music that much, apart from West African music. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I, have to, I have to be blunt about it. Like, for a long time, it was difficult to listen to, up until recently when I started listening to Mala. And I don't even know if Mala is 20th century, but I've been listening to Philip Glass and Mala and people like that. But I'm beginning yeah. to appreciate... Philip Glass. Yes, actually. Oh, that's good. That, that that's good. And, yeah. You know, this twentieth century composer is not easy to listen to them. Yeah. So I was and actually. I, I, I kind of. <laughs> I give 
I give serious respect to people who I would listen to. I listen to Philip Glass. Yes, I, I listen to Philip But Glass. you see, it's, it's not an easy yeah, listen. It's it, it, not an easy listen. Yeah. Like, it's not, so, it's so, not so, very so easy I'm, to I'm just to... listen to Philip Glass or something like that. So, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, the thing with 20th century classical music, um, it's, what, what gave birth to it is the Romantic Era. Okay. Now, uh, before I explain, Romantic Era was a time whereby people decided to put themselves at the center of the music. Okay. Um, is that where in, um, Impressionism and, and Expressionism exactly. comes in? I wanted exactly. you to actually shed a bit of light on that. Impressionism and Expressionism. Yes. So, Impressionism and Expressionism. It's saying that, okay, so instead of following the complex rules of the older times, okay, now mm. instead of following that, let me rather put myself at the center, what I feel. Let me write like that. So, for example, instead of uh, saying that chord five should either go to chord one or chord six mm. when I'm ending the music, let me rather let it end on chord four. I'm sorry. I, I'm I, I'm sorry if I'm confusing some of my listeners. I know some of them, are <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, I, I I don't have a way of breaking it down. But generally, maybe you can it's, say it's it, it end on the far or something like. I don't know. Uh-huh, the, the four yes. is the far, so it's end on the far. Like yes. Uh-huh. So uh, it, it basically means not playing by serious rules. Not and, and not to say that there are no rules, even or there were no rules in the romantic era. Of course, there are rules. Okay, but uh, most of the time, some of these complex rules, so for example, uh, if you are composing a symphony, it's supposed to be four movements. If you are composing a concerto, it's supposed to be three movements. The Romantic era began to do away with that. It began to use bigger orchestras in order to do proper work painting. That's why Romantic composer like Tchaikovsky would end up bringing a canon into the concert hall. Wow, I did not know about that. Yes, a canon. <laughs> yeah. And I've forgotten which of his things. I think his fourth symphony or so. So at the point in time, he boom. <laughs> he actually like let it go um, off in the concert hall. Yeah, of, of the, the good thing is there was no canon in it. Ah, uh, okay. that, that would be very tragic. I see, I see. So uh, yes. is, is this where is this where we can we can start arguing about Mendelssohn because like. I was just waiting for you to explain impressionism and expressionism, and then come and explain why you have such so, so, hatred for his choral works. So, then that's it. In fact, I I love there are, there are a lot of his choral works I love. Elijah just puts me off. Why is that? Okay, I, I, like I, I'm curious. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, um, if I listen to uh, Mendelssohn's works like Paulus. Yeah. If I listen to uh, one of his Christmas works, um, I've forgotten the name of but but he has some beautiful works in it. And he has some cantates, okay? And you could see the essence of back in him. So yeah. I thought that was his style. But for him to all of a sudden just jump, trying to do Elijah, trying to, you know, romanticize it, I didn't see the beauty. I thought it was too pret- uh, pretentious. Well, so... I, I okay, well then maybe I I will understand because my my point of entry into Mendelssohn's works was Elijah. Like so everything else I listened to um 
from men that was like his piano works, the song without words. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that that book so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been trying to finish playing that book, but like, oh boy, it's not everything that's just so simple in there. Yeah. And exactly. uh, uh, after that, I I mean, I I looked at his uh, Paulus. I looked at the, the most of his works are in German, so I'm not able to remember the names. But like mm-hmm. he has, he has very, very beautiful harmonies and, and melodies yeah. as well. So it felt it's, like the moment I listened to it, I didn't, I didn't get anyone to even tell me that oh, Mendelssohn is reviving the bar. But I, I found it somewhere that that apparently that was mm-hmm. his actual goal. And yes, with Elijah, I think the story of Elijah, the the way he wrote Elijah, it benefits the story of Elijah because the story of Elijah is one. Of like uh, there, there are a lot of you can one can say like maybe loopholes in the story or one can say mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the story you know he and King Ahab and the bow you know the fire the fire coming from heaven to burn the wet mm-hmm. altar all of those those kind of things like they are, they have flamboyant mm-hmm. things that happen in the story of Elijah and so yeah. I think the music of Mendelssohn for that particular oratorio warrants it, it really fits. Because, for example, a piece like uh, "Be Not Afraid," right? You, 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 you hear, like, really hear what message you're trying to 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 put across with how he uses yeah. the parts and how he uses the brass and all of that. Like, I can go on a full sermon about this, but like, basically, <laughs> I'll just say, I'll just say, like, it's it's how I was introduced into. Mendelssohn through Elijah, that's, that made me look at it like that's very careful. So, like, maybe you'll give it a second listen, or I don't know, a third listen. How, how many times? Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll try, I'll try. But uh, anytime the, the, the overture starts and then it gets into the first piece, then I start, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I start just going. On. You, know, you see, the, the thing is, um, I thought he could do better because I've listened to better choral works of his. Mm. Not and and there are there are good pieces inside that work anyway. Like um, oh, I forgot it's it's an eight. It, there are eight parts in it. Um, is it a, it's like a double quartet. You, is it cast your bedding? No, not cast your bedding. Cast your bedding is also beautiful. I like that one too. It, it, yeah, that one it brought back the essence of back. The fact the, that the harmony is around. so rich. Hey, yes. yeah. It, it, it has this choral, this choral essence of back, and I, I yeah. like it. But this one, it's um, uh, oh, I don't know, I, I've forgotten. Eight, eight parts. Eight sonnets even performed it at Afro Classical Night. Ah, uh, is it a wait? I don't think it's the How Lovely Are the Missing. No, I think it's wait. No. Um, he he watches over Israel. Is that one? No, it's not that one. <laughs> nah, I, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. And I'm trying to even get the melody, but Cassio Bedens is what's singing in my head. <laughs> he shall the angels to watch over thee. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yeah. I I like that work so much. I mean, I I mean, he should have he should have kept the quality of his writing to that. But anyway, this is my personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, this is my personal opinion. Uh, well, well, I mean, Jesse, Jesse shared your opinion. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 
Oh, I can I can understand. Like it's 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 mm. it's very very music is subjective. I think that is one beautiful thing about classical music. The, yes, yes. The way I I I um I always try to urge people to listen to classical music. I had a friend, and this brings me to an earlier episode. I think the third episode of this podcast called Gatekeeping. I had, I had a friend who asked mm. me why like why she should listen to classical music. I, I was like. Oh yeah, listen to what type of music that you like to listen to. And then she was like, Oh, I listen to pop, R and B, stuff like that. Sometimes I listen to classical music when I want to relax. And I felt I felt it was a bit too insulting to like limit only listening, like just listening yes, to classical music. Tells me, anytime like, someone tells me that I, I feel insulted. Exactly. Because like, like that is not all that there is about classical music. And then she was like, Well, there's like I mean, you guys, she was she just went on about how we kind of like have a community. Those who love classical music are a community of classical music lovers. And every essential information about classical music is, is stored there. Whilst like the misconceptions are just flowing around and like we are just like different, a different set of people. You get that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. yeah. So she was she was kind of like listening to as they like, yeah, we gatekeep classical music. And I was just I was telling her that I feel like a lot of the time, people who want to listen to classical music may have various reasons for listening to classical music. But people who love classical music do not listen to it because of the, those reasons. They listen to the music because of the music, like not because yeah. oh, I, I feel I feel sad. So maybe uh, Chopin's nocturnes will complement my sadness yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So like that was the the whole argument, but. I, I felt like, oh, okay, I came to the conclusion that maybe music is subjective, like classical music is subjective. Yeah. So everybody's mm. interpretation is is DS. And yeah. I've just kept on to that to that opinion. Mm. So so um in order not to uh, uh let just to come back to the topic of uh, the romanticism leading to 20th century music. Yeah. So um yeah. So when the romantic composers began to use larger orchestras, they began and those who were composing uh, pieces for piano, for example, like Chopin and then uh, Liszt, they started bringing music back to the bars and all that, so that everyone will, you know, have a taste of the music. Yeah. Now it looks like that classicism had now gone down. Okay, mm-hmm. it wasn't at its peak during the classical period. Now, later on, when the 20th century began, we had composers like uh, Schoenberg, we had people like uh, John Cage, and yeah, uh, Ravel. So that's, that's the 60 years. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ravel, Ravel, a very, very good example. They decided they are going to play the rules. Now, someone like Ravel, he can just take one day's line, just, just let's say maybe CNG for 15 minutes just to be that baseline. Yeah. And then the melody on top of it. I've listened to it and it's so captivating. Okay. They decided that, no, let us, let us not ascribe to the normal tonality. That's when atonality was born. Okay. Mm, and then yeah. music. someone can throw coins on the floor and then the, the sound of coins makes it, records it and then makes a piece. Uh, one of my favorite um, uh, uh, 20th century composer is Steve Reich. Steve Reich actually came to Ghana to learn our drumming and he has inculcated it into his music. So there are some of the species you listen to. Uh, is it the guy who was uh, playing the 
I mean, he was accompanying someone playing the Athan to that I've seen a video like that somewhere before. That's not it. That's not it. I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it. Is he a white man or is black? Yeah, it's a white man. Oh, okay, it's not him. No, what I saw was a black oh, okay. man. Oh, okay. This one is a white man. And then um he he uh, he actually came to learn uh drama and he has inculcated his music. When you listen to some of his music, you can hear Dua, you can hear Baja, you can hear Bambaya, you can all the dance uh, parties, you can hear them in his music. And um yeah. Yeah, and and I think for him, his set of composers they belong to another kind of 20th, 20th century music they call minimalism. That's mm. actually what my my uh, my dissertation is going to be based on. Yes. So, <laughs> so my new compositions, my new orchestral compositions that I've done, they are based on minimalism. Yes. Okay. It has this 20th century and atonalism, uh, tonality vibe in it. Yes. Um, and I, I think if anything, African composers should be composing that kind of music because generally our music is minimalistic. Okay. Now uh, to 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 explain what the minimalism is all about. Minimalism is just about the beauty of repetition. If you beauty of repetition. Yes, the beauty of repetition. Okay. So for example, if you pick drumming in Ghana like this. Yeah. It's repetition. The same thing throughout. It's repetition. Okay. Then as time goes on, you have what you call layering. People begin to build on it. Yeah. So that's what minimalism is based on. Repetition. Okay. And the 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 I, okay, I don't want to say white people. The Caucasians have actually... They are white people. They've actually come to learn this and then they have used it for the... And they are making it big out there. Now, now this time around, most of the composition, classical music compositions that are coming out, they are based on 21st, uh, sorry, on 20th century music. And actually, 21st century music too. And that is why um, Hollywood movies, they sell more because the music is not going to be like how SATB arrangement is okay. Yeah. It's going yeah. to be based minimalism repetition. That's what captivates us. Look at all these Avengers movies and then the rest. The music in it is captivating. Even um uh, uh, uh Price of the Caribbean. Yeah. Captivating. Hanzima. Okay. Yes, Hanzima. Hanzima is so good with it. he just uses repetition and all that just to you know bring the beauty. Of music in a he has a mas- he has a mastery over like of themes. Like he can just he can just pick a theme and just do wonderful. And I, have you seen yes. Interstellar? Yes, yes, I've watched that movie. One of my favorite uh, movies about space. And see the score. See Interstellar score. So like I, it and, is. And he used an organ. It, right. Whole thing of that. <laughs> right. Like it's it's, okay. it's amazing. We could we could spend a whole I'm going to recommend someone listen to Nicholas Britell, right? Listen to Nicholas Britell. Okay. You don't have to watch his his um you don't have to watch all of the shows, but listen to Succession's pieces. The the score. Okay. Uh, well, what, what's this? Uh, the spell the same for me. Britell, B-R-I-T-E-L-L. Okay. Okay, I'll search him. I'll, I'll look him up. Yeah. 
like it's it's there's the, the thing you're talking about minimalism and how like repetition because i think that okay now i think about it like once a team gets stuck in your head like the reason why people probably you know like most that tam 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 taradam tam 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 taradam like it's 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 very catchy because even as he changes what do you call it? Do you, do you call it motifs or do you call it like uh, when he moved through the keys and all of that, right? Oh, uh, yeah, you can use phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so when, that our audience will understand. <laughs> when when he, he does this whole bit, you know, he does from C to J and then he does G minor. Uh-huh. He does G minor and then he does, uh, I think he, I think he fully goes to B flat. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But like in that mm-hmm. particular piece, when he's moving through, you can still sing through as he's like changing and modulating and yes. going. It's like that catchiness. Yeah. Like I feel like it's it's essential to what makes people like, oh, I I I like this melody. I can, you know, like canons. You get it? It's like okay. it's 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 pretty impressive. So would you say canons are minimalistic? Like canon indeed. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. It, it could be it, something it to look to, at. It has yes, it's yes. Uh-huh. It it has its uh. uh how do I say? It, it, it has that characteristic because the bass line is the same. It's just repeating. It's just repeating, and then mm. it's built on. <laughs> yeah, so it has that characteristic. But the reason why people might or scholars might not decide to classify it as one is during that era, it was not something that was. In fact, the, the composer himself didn't even know he was doing minimalistic something. Mm. Mm. But he has found a nice bass line, then he just wants to build melodies on it. Yes, ah. but, but any any time any time you hear minimal uh, minimalism or maybe people talking about it, they actually give reference to canon indeed because it has that characteristics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 where the separation comes in is that you know the canon indeed is very very tonal. Mm. It's very okay. Uh-huh. Most of the time, minimalistic compositions they don't have this. So they don't have so much of tonality in it. Okay, they, they mostly ascribe to modality. Um, I'm looking for a way to describe modality for our listeners. Um, okay, so modality simply means that, okay, you, you start, you can start from a note and end on any note, unlike tonality, whereby when you start on do, you have to end on do. Okay. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Or when you start on la, you end on la. Modality is not like that. You can start from fa and end on t. I'm sure yeah, actually, most of the, the listeners are, are choristers. They, they've heard Adam Lee bounding, so they can yes. they can relate it to that. Exactly. And then, you know, um, for for uh, Ghanaian uh, traditional music, it's modal. It's modal. Mm. It's yes. Um, if, you, if you listen to this typical uh, Adua uh, uh, singers, uh, they call them Nyonkro. When you listen to this typical numkro, it's it it can start from at times you might not even be able to pinpoint where the music which software the music is starting from. Another example is the uh, the the slow agbaja songs, the nyayito songs. When they are singing, it can start from anywhere. It's difficult for it to pinpoint which software it is. Mm. So that, that's what I'm saying. That I was saying that for Ghanaian composers, if they are going to compose. Um, okay, let me know if they were serious compositions. But if they are going to compose works that are actually going to captivate, especially the the, the outside world, mm. they are supposed to act our culture. Okay, compose music like that. It's not always 
the, this kind of SATB kind of, and it, it, it has actually stalled some people when they are trying to compose for orchestra. They compose as if they are composing for a part. Yeah. And well, I won't because that is what the fight man came to bestow on us. They came right. to scrap away our way of doing music, and they brought in their SATB. That's the hymnody. And then yeah. it's it, it's actually dead to date. If a composer that, is not able to compose SATB, <laughs> I'm I'm actually stuck stuck in that bubble because like all my life, just been listening to everything yeah. I, I I listen to around me is SAT SAT SAT. So any yes. other new thing is very foreign, and like still I'm still getting used to it. Like yeah, yeah. And, and and this is really evident in at times orchestration. The reason why I people normally bring orchestra orchestration work to me is because aside the fact that I'm fast at it, another reason too is because um, I, I I'm not going to follow I'm not going to follow the for example maybe you want me to orchestrate for your choir I'm not going to follow the SATV. I'm just looking mm. at the chords and I'll be able to build you know certain ostinatos from it and all that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Uh, at times, that's what people I feel African composers should be looking at. Um, I've looked at a few pieces from uh, some music students in universities, and then they are doing good work. There's one in uh, Dawson, Nana, Nana Amowi Dawson, and his work is impressive. Okay, he has he actually uses this uh, uh, modality from African music, and he actually attaches this to atonality. And I feel if composers look at this, our classical music in Ghana here, we might even be able to call it a different genre, maybe Afro, Afrocentrism or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to actually make waves. There's this composer to give He has moved to uh, Ghana recently. He, he was born in Italy. No, he's a Ghanaian. He was born in Italy. Sorry, mention, mention the name again. Gabriel Abedi. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I think his piece was even performed uh, in August. Yeah, he has this Ewelland Rhapsody, he has uh, Agbajak for piano, and it's impressive. He uses this minimalism, he uses modality or modal jazz and all that, and he creates a masterpiece. And 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 this piece has actually won an international award. Oh, okay. He has, I have yeah, to he has check him out. More. Oh, yeah, you have to. He has about seven more works that has won awards. So you see, um, I, I I believe well. I'm I'm not trying to downplay those who compose hymns, those who play uh, compose you know our traditional anthems, or those mm. who like like you know James Baikama and all. I'm not downplaying them at all. In fact, it's good. Okay, yeah, James Baikama's music, you know, it it has a big fan base, especially in church and all that. But I mean, anyone who wants to try orchestration, if you are going to try orchestra works, don't just settle for SATB, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Before before we, I think I think it's it's time we start start wrapping up. We, we can we can talk forever. Like you and I, you can this yeah. topic can go on forever. But uh, at, at at a, at a point, we have to bring it. But before that, uh, you know the hmm, the issue with um young musicians, right? And this is just to a bit a bit on. Something I recorded earlier about uh, professionalism and music education, right? We spoke privately about like yeah. how you know there were questions about directly going into music and all of that. But like, what what would you say to to a young you know 
clearly talented, let's say, pianist or violinist who is being coerced okay. into studying something a bit more mainstream to in order for that person to like fit into the corporate world or something. After, I can actually think okay. someone like that yeah. uh, about music education because myself, I have not sat in a music classroom like ever. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm okay. I'm lacking. Okay, you you speak. You speak. Yeah. yeah, you have a so, yeah. You know, music, yeah, music education in this country has been done in such a way that you are supposed to play by the rules. Um, uh, if to to explain it, we example, have we have like ten minutes more, so okay. we would have to wrap everything up under ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, in harmony, in one of the rules of harmony, is saying that. There should be no consecutive fits and there should be no doubling of tapes. But in the yeah. real world, it happens. Yeah. Okay. It happens. I like so the analogy. Okay. That, <laughs> so what I will say is that if you are uh, an instrumentalist, if you're a composer, yes, learn what's in the classroom. Do that in exams for your lecture, but you have to learn more. I realize, especially the composers, most of uh, most of my friends, the young ones, a lot of them don't learn. <laughs> I would say the truth. A lot of yeah. them don't learn. They oh, we don't learn. We don't learn that one day. Yes, they, they are stuck. Like they, they, they don't want to learn. In fact, they are supposed to watch interviews. They are supposed to learn new things. Get people's course. Study them. Yeah, that's Definitely. that's how that's how I, I entered the composition. I didn't really learn the rules. I studied people's works, and up to now, I still study works. That is why. My composition keeps on revolving. Uh, so yeah. Evolving. evolving. Yeah. When you made mention, yeah. When you mentioned, uh, when you made mention of Omanga, I was actually shy because <laughs> if I compare what I uh, what I would have done today with Omanga, it's not going to be like that time. Definitely. That <laughs> so I I feel that the I will tell especially my composer friends that the learning journey doesn't end. It's it's going to continue. It's going to mm. continue. Yes. So that's that's what I have to tell them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we've had a very, very fruitful conversation. Thank you so much, Kwaku, for agreeing to be part of my small project. You're welcome. And welcome. um we'll definitely I'll be media, we always we'll definitely meet <laughs> we'll continue talking and subsequently I or in, I know. yes in future episodes i i hope we can we can still have you on and and continue our, our, our arguments and our topics so um thank you yeah. so much once again to my listeners we've right, made welcome. we've made so many we've learned so much from Poku today because of time i would go back right to please take note of everything that we have we have mentioned today relates them to how you understand and how you appreciate classical music if you are talented in that sense or if you are you know an up and coming singer or instrumentalist or you are even you know you want to learn an instrument or anything of that sort just draw inspiration from this conversation that we've had and make good use of it because we need your works out there. We need you out yeah. there promoting and making classical music, especially West African and African classical music, accessible and well publicized. So this brings me to the end of the episode. Rate, share, download, like if you can. All of the episodes, this episode, 
keep coming back for more. I'll see you in the future with better, better, better stuff. And thank you again, Kweku. Charlie, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more. We'll talk time. more. We'll talk more. Sure. Okay.